we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. All right, well, good morning, everybody. I am Bill Stevens. I'm the lead pastor here at Ascent. It is super fun to have all of you guys here in the new year. Um, before we get started with everything else, I just got to point out something. We have this a really great production team here. It's, it's, a, it's a group of people that work in the back and make, make all of this happen for us and for the people that are watching online. And, and Stuart and Maggie do such a great job with that, and they're so professional with it. And then on top of it, they like to raise up new people. You guys, they've had this dream that one Sunday they'd hand it over to our high school students that they're, that they're teaching how to do production stuff. This is that Sunday. Our high schoolers are doing all the production stuff this week. So it is so great. And, and, and Stu is right here in front to, um, <laughs> are, you, are you looking for a bow or what? <laughs> Are you just fixing something? Okay, good. Uh, okay. Gosh, I just, just highlighted production and now you're up here trying to, we got a problem. <laughs> okay. Um, you guys, I, I really hope you did have a great uh, New Year's. For me personally, it was a really good New Year's on New Year's Day. Um, my brothers and I, my mom and dad sat around our television and we got to watch the University of Washington Huskies just cream the Texas Longhorns. I mean, it, there was no worries at all. I was not looking for any flags. I was, I was thinking we had the game in the bag, uh, which wasn't the case. I was, I, was, I was having a heart attack, but we won. So now we play tomorrow night against the ugly, the hated Michigan Wolverines. Nobody likes them. So we are totally rooting for the Huskies. In fact, Lord, we pray that the Huskies would win tomorrow. Uh, amen. And we know that God listens to our sports prayers, right? I mean, the people, the pastor in Michigan right now that's praying, I don't even think he's godly. So there's no way that they're going to get anything. So so we had a great time. We, we actually, I want to thank you all for having the grace to give our staff a break after Christmas, after Christmas Eve. The staff ran through the tape and then we gave them a little bit of a break. We got, a lot of us got to go home. Jackie and I and Maggie and Abby flew up to Spokane um, where we met with, with Ella, my daughter Ella and Justice and their daughter Allie, my granddaughter. And we met with Jack and Em and, and their kids with, with Bryn and Dean and Piper. And so all, the, all of us were together. We joined with the rest of my extended family. 36 of us came in on to, to my, my parents' home. Um, on Christmas Eve, I talked about a lovely mix of messiness, and it, and it is, and it was. Um, the, the interesting thing with the Stevens family is, is you don't just automatically have a bedroom when you get to my parents' house. It's first come, first serve. So we were the last ones there, so we had nowhere to sleep. Um, we were sleeping on the floor. We were sleeping on the couch. You guys, my luggage was on the front porch for three straight days where I would go out on the front porch, open it up and take stuff out. Uh, truly, you guys, not to be too graphic, but I changed down to my underwear on the front porch of my parents' house and put new clothes on. That's the way it was. It was a lovely mix of messiness. It was really fun, um, but, it was, but it was also, it's good to be home and to be in a bed again. It was so great. Um, while we were there, we ate a lot. 
We talk about Spokane being the place where diets go to die, and, and they do because, man, we ate pizza and burgers and, and donuts every morning. And, and so, so this is the reset, right, for many of us. It's the new year. It's the reset. For you guys that play golf, it's the backside. See, the front side, you can slice it and hook it and top it and all that stuff. But then you know that the golf gods will sprinkle the fairy dust on you at between 9 and 10. And all of a sudden, none of that stuff will happen on the backside until the 11th hole. And then it starts up again. That's us. It's the reset. It's the new year where we're looking at our, our year and saying, all right, I get to start over until the 11th hole, I get to start over. I get a, maybe this is where we are going to try to drop the weight that you took the month of December to gain. Maybe it's the, we're going to exercise. Maybe for some of you decide, I'm going to, I'm going to make my bed every night. You know, maybe it's that, or I'm going, or every morning, or it's, or it's, I'm going to clean the sink to make sure that the kitchen is nice and clean. Maybe it's that. We'll all have our, our little um, uh, New Year's things that we do, our resolutions that we do. What I want to talk about today is what if, it, what if it's a little bit more of what Chris was talking about? What if it's deeper than that? What if what we're trying to do is, is something really deep down in, in who we are? What if we say at this point in this reset, what, we're doing, what we want to do is, I just want to be better. I want to be the best version of who God has made me to be. What if in this new year we say, I want to love better. I want to be more patient with the people around me, especially the ones that I love. I want to, I want to, I want to learn more how to lead with love and, and not lead with opinion or lead with judgment. What if we say, I, I, I want to stress less and I want to, I want to have more peace and and I want to trust more. What if those are the goals that we have in the year? And I think that that's something that really all of us probably should have. I want to be the best version of who God has made me to be. But for many of us, we've tried that. And you say, okay, I'm going to be more patient this year. And we grit our teeth and we say, this year, more patience. Until something happens. And then we're going, oh, okay, starting now, more patience. And we, and we fight and fight to make something like that happen, but we fail a lot of times. And if you're like me, as soon as we fail, all of a sudden we go, I don't know if this is even worth trying. And so we give up even more and we become the lesser version of who God wants, has made us to be. Those, that reality of, of that goal and, and how we tend to try our best to do it and we tend to fail is is real. And it makes, it leads me to say, God, am I setting myself up for failure when I, I, I want to make myself the best version of who I am? Uh, am I setting myself up for failure? I start to ask God, God, is this, is this my work that needs to be done? Or is it your work that needs to be done? Which one is it? And, and I'll go to scripture, but the hard part of scripture can be a little bit confusing with this. In Zechariah, it says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by, it's not by your, your, your gritting your teeth and making it happen. It's not by your power, my willpower to, to make myself stress less. But it's by God and his spirit that will meet us and, and do that within us and make those changes within us, that transformation. 
But then you see another passage like Philippians 2 that says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now that sounds like that's something I got to do. That sounds like my work. If I want to be the best version of who I am, I got to work this thing out. I got to work hard at this. Well, which one is it? John and I are going to tackle this over this next month. We're going to tackle paradoxes of Scripture where it sometimes looks like it's, it's contradictory, but in a lot of ways it's very complementary. And I want to tackle, tackle this one. Whose work is it for me to be the best version of who I am? Is that God's work or is that mine? And I need to know because I want to be that best version of who I am right now. So that's what we want to tackle this today. So, so God, we pray that you would, would help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to, uh, to, to dig down into those places. I think every one of us wants to be the best version of who we are. But I know that, that, that we can fail at that quite often. So we need your help in this, God. Sort this out for us a little bit as we dig into this. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. All right. So here's, so I'm going to read through a couple of passages of Scripture. I want, I want to ask you, how does this sit with you, okay, when I read this, okay? So, so in Philippians 4, 6, it says, be, don't be anxious about anything. How does that sit with you? Don't be anxious about anything. Now, for those of you that aren't normally anxious, you read that and you go, great, I won't be anxious about anything. But those of you that are, tend to be a little bit more like me and have a little bit more of an anxious bent, or just, you listen to that and you go, don't be anxious about anything. And you go, well, I, I'm already anxious and now I'm anxious about that passage. Now I'm anxious because you're telling me not to be anxious and now I'm letting you down, God, and now I'm messing up like crazy and oh my gosh, now I'm anxious about that that's gonna keep me and now I'm even more anxious about this other thing that I'm anxious about. It doesn't sit well. What about this one? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. For those of you who don't have very many trials, you read that and you go, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna consider it joy, but for the ones that, that really do have trials that you're struggling with. It's a health issue. It's grief that you're having trouble unpacking. And you're reading, consider it joy. And you're going, I can't do that. What's that do? That makes me say, I want to be the best version of who I am, but I can't, I can't have joy in this situation. And so am I letting you down even more, God? How about this one? This, was a, this is pretty straightforward here. Flee from sexual immorality. Something like that. There's lots of different ones like that in the Bible. Flee from that. But for those of you that don't struggle with any sexual temptations, you just go, okay, yeah, flee from that. And you guys all should flee from that. But for someone that struggles in that and are tempted by, in, in different ways from that, you go, yeah, I sure would love to flee from that, but I keep failing at it. And I'll go a, a month, but then I'll fail at it again, or I'll fail at it again, and I'll fail at it again. And you just go, Darn it, God, are you setting us up for failure by saying, here's what you got to do and, and I got to grit my teeth to make that happen and just make it happen and, and it won't? Paul, Paul was dealing with this and he was this in what was probably the most, to me, the most honest passage of scripture in all of the Bible. Paul says this in Romans 7. He says this, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. 
For I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil, I, the evil I do not want I, to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. Wow. That's a guy that's struggling. He's saying, I know what, is, what I'm supposed to do, and I don't do it. I know what I'm not supposed to do, and I do it. I keep failing at this. This is Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. He's saying, I keep failing at this. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And he says, what a wretched man I am. He's going, doggone it, Lord. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. Why do I keep doing it? I want to be the best version of me and I'm failing. And it's affecting my wife. It's affecting my kids. It's affecting my job. It's affecting the people around me. Paul was right there. But then he says this, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, Jesus meets us in that fight, in that failure, in those days. Jesus meets you and me right there. He writes this in the book of, in the letter to the people in Rome, to the Romans. And in this letter, he lays out the good news of Jesus, the gospel. He lays that out in very concrete ways. Today, I want to lay that out because here's what I want to do. I want to set us up the foundation of what God is doing so we know what we have to do, okay? So here's what God is doing, you guys. In Romans 3.23, he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, okay? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God. What's that what glory? A simple way to think of glory is it's, it's a perfect reflection of God. And so that's why when we just celebrated Christmas, it's why the angels sang out glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. He's saying this baby that was born is a perfect reflection of God. And so, so that's what glory is. And he's saying all of us have sinned and fallen short of that glory. All of us have sinned and fallen short of that. All of us have sinned and fallen short of a perfect reflection of God. I think we can all accept that, right? Would any of us in here say, no, I am a perfect reflection of God? If you do, you're probably dealing with some blindness and some arrogance. And so we'll have to talk about that that will help you to see that you're not a perfect reflection of God. It's okay for us all to admit that. All of us have fallen short of being a perfect reflection of God. Now, what he says is the wages of falling short of that, the repercussion of falling short of that is death, is a separation from God. Because if, think about it, if for eternity, God is, has made eternity to be this, this perfect reflection of who God is, and there's not going to be the backstabbing, there's not going to be the, 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 the horrible judgment against each other, it's going to be a, it's a perfect reflection of who God is. If we are imperfect, then how are we going to be able to do that? Well, that's the wages of sin is death, is the se death separated from God. But he, but he says this, but the gift of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The gift of God is to bring that together. Romans 3.24 says it this way. Here's how that, that happens. We're all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came in Christ Jesus. We're all justified. That justified is a, is a legal term that means it doesn't mean we're not guilty. It means we have been acquitted. That Jesus has declared us through his death on the cross and his resurrection declared us to be in a right relationship with God. So while we were separated, he's saying, no, through I, I chose that death. I took on that death so that we could be in this right relationship with God. And so when, when, he, when he justifies us, that puts us right there. That's us for eternity. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead, then you shall be saved. That's, that's right there. We get to be there for eternity. That's justification. But, but we still have to deal, though, with this life on this earth. And this is where our holiness, that justified place, and our humanness both live. And there is a tension there. Now, I, des I described this, but I'm not sure, Stu, if we're going to be ready for that. Are you think so? If we're not, that's totally okay, Stu. I can do it without, without it. What do you think? Can you see it on the screen? Greta, can you put that up there? Don't got it? Okay, that's good. That's good. I was going to draw it for you, but... Um, and this has nothing to do with our high schoolers. So <laughs> our high schoolers are still doing great. Uh, I was going to draw it for you, but, uh, but I can't. So here's, what I'm just gonna, uh, here's, how, here's how it's working. If God's glory is up here, okay, a perfect reflection of God, and we're down here and God justifies us, draws that line straight up to God's glory, we still have this life of humanness that we live. While that's happening, another line is drawn. And that line is a, is a line called sanctification. That is God working in us to make us more and more like Christ. God is at work in you and me right now, making us more and more like Jesus. Look at the way he says it. In 1 Thessalonians, I mean, it says it right there. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. It's God's will. That's what God wants. When we say, what's God's will for me in my life? It's for us to grow more and more Christ-like. But is his will for me to be a veterinarian or a doctor? It's for you to be more and more Christ-like. That's what, that's what he wants you to be, is to be more and more like Jesus. That's his will. That's the work he's doing. In Philippians, it says, I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's God is at work in us, helping us to become more and more like Jesus. And in fact, then it says, God's made you alive with Christ. He's looking at us going, That's, this is a gift, a gift I'm giving you to be alive with Christ so that you can grow more and more in the likeness of my son. That's what he's working on in us. You guys, that is what I would call grace descending. That is the grace of Jesus, that it comes on every one of us. The grace is the unearned, unearnable gift of God's love, his forgiveness, his life that he gives us, and the life that he's building in us. It's grace descending on every one of us. That's what it is. And, and, and so we, here's what you need to know. 
that's in us. His work is in us through his Holy Spirit. The fruit of that Holy Spirit is love, is joy, it's Jesus' peace, it's patience. When you're sitting there saying, man, I just want to be a more patient person, it's in you. It's, it's, it's that love and joy and peace and patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's gentleness, faithfulness, and even self-control. Even when you're watching a football game, you could have the self-control that is within us. All of those things Jesus is working on our life right now with. Jesus is working on it. Hey, Stu, I don't even need that anymore. So we, you, can, you don't even need it. Um, all of that is, is in us, okay? All of that. And so, so if, if Jesus is doing all that work and it's in us, then what's our job? Our job is to mine it. Our job is to get through the layers because layers will build on top of all that God is doing. Layers of our our, our experiences, of our, of our blindness, of our disappointments, of our opinions, of our judgments, of the influences in our life, the people that have been speaking in our life, our politics, all of it. All of that can be our layers that come on what God is doing. God is building us to be more and more Christ-like, and that's his grace. And we've got the layers, and our job is to try to get through those layers so that those things that God is building up in us actually come out of us. It's our job. That's, our, that's what we need to do. God's at work in you right now. But our layers can sometimes keep us from seeing it and keep others from experiencing it. So it's our job to go, okay, Lord, you're at work in me. I got to figure out how to get to there. I got I to dig through those layers. How do we do that? Well, there's lots of different ways to do that. There's just a couple that I have thought about. One of the, one of the things that I think we need to do is we need to be honest. We need to be honest with ourselves. Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability and our need to be honest. We need to be honest with ourselves about the, the layers that we have. Just admit it. I got layers and I want to dig through them because I want to be the best version of who I am. The more we dig through the layers, the more we bring our life in, in, to intersect with God's grace. And as our life intersects with God's grace, we, can be, we become the very best version of us that God wants us to be. But we have to have our life intersect with that. How do we do that? Well, honesty is, is, is a start. Well, you see that you got layers. This is one of the beautiful things that Maurice Cox gave us for eight years here. Mo left, Mo, Mo is, was a, if you're just new, Mo just left us on our staff and went down to San Antonio. And man, did he leave a mark for us in this church. I told Mo, one of the things that you gave us in this church over eight years is you were a black man that came walking into a place that was predominantly white and you invited us into the layers. You didn't come with condemnation or judgment or you didn't come pointing a finger. You just came saying, let's learn. Let's, let's figure out where there could be layers and let's dig through those layers so that you can be the very best version of you you can possibly be. And he invited us into that with a great posture of learning. Now, some people didn't like it. Some people said, oh, that's too political. 
It has nothing to do with politics. It's layers. And it's digging down to what God is already doing in our life. So the first thing is honesty. Are we honest that there's layers there and we can dig through them? We need to dig through them. The second one is you can't do it on your own. You guys, a lot of the layers we're pretty blind to. A lot of layers we don't even see it, but other people see it in us. Now, the hard part is that sometimes, uh, you know, our, our spouse, if you're married, they see it pretty clearly, but it's hard to point it out. <laughs> uh, you got some serious layers here. Uh, yeah, don't say that. Please don't say that to somebody. But it might not be your spouse. It might not be your best friend that's able to tell you it. But we need to be able to seek out people. It's why you get into small groups. It's why you share life with other people. Because you need to be able to have other people in your life that can say, you know what? There's layers there. And we got to get down past them. For me, I've told you guys a thousand times in here, I, I had a person for 20 years that was a clinical psychiatrist in Boulder that I met with every month across the street at Carabas back when Carabas was here. And every month, Jim would dig down through the layers to bring out the very best of who I am. He would, he would, he would ask me about, about my marriage and he would dig down through layers that I didn't even know were there that helped me to be more loving to my wife, more patient with my wife, more gentle, more kind. He would bring those up. And there's times that I'm going, I didn't even think I needed it. But man, Jim helped. I, I, I believe I have a really, really great marriage. Jackie is a phenomenal wife. But I also believe Jim helped make that happen through digging through the layers to bring out what God is already doing in there. Jim's been dead for five years. And in these five years, it's been rough. And I've got new layers that's come on. I got layers that's come around just leading a church, leading a church through all the things that we all have seen, the politics, the people that leave the church that you feel really close to, but leave the church for one reason or another. The, the racial stuff where I just, I want so badly to, to, to learn and grow and, and, and it, it forms a layer when, we, when, when there's so much um, discourse within it uh, around human sexuality and my hope and desire that we just love each other way better than we do. And, and that forms a layer. Uh, the pandemic, a fire, grief, that forms layers. And recently, I was challenged by a good friend to say it's time to go seek out some therapy again. And this fall, I went back to a therapist for the first time in a long time. And I went to her and I said, hey, here's what I want. I want to bring out the best version of me. And so we dig through the layers so that we can, so I can see God at work. Invite somebody else into it. God's doing great work, but we got to get through the layers to get to it. Invite somebody into it. And then the last one that I want to talk about is, is, a, is, is the, probably the hardest one because it's a word that none of us want to hear. The word is discipline. Discipline. That's a hard word. You know, when, you're a, when you go to physical therapy like I had to do for my elbow and I heard it playing golf last year, I had to go to physical therapy every week. One, you have to commit to going. And two, you have to commit to doing the things they teach you to do the rest of the week when you, when the, for the rest of it. That takes discipline. But nobody wants discipline. I mean, I looked up discipline and it says discipline is doing what you know you should do instead of what you want to do. Discipline is doing what needs to be done even if you don't want to do it. That doesn't sound fun. That sounds horrible. 
But discipline's also the bridge between our goals and our accomplishments. And if I want to become the very best person that, I, that God has made me to be, it might take some discipline in my life to do it. There's theologians that have studied all of the people of the Bible and they've, they've looked around at it and they say, you know what, there's some spiritual disciplines that we can learn from. Spiritual disciplines. They said meditation is something that can dig through the layers. Meditation, all meditation is, is centering ourselves to say, I see God, I see you're at work. And that takes our life and it, and it intersects it with God's grace. Meditation can lead us to prayer. And for some of us, maybe you don't even know how to pray, but this might, this, that's a discipline that invites God into our helplessness and says, I can't do this, God. I'm going to invite you into my helplessness. And I, and I want to learn how to talk to you in that. That is a discipline that can in, in connect our life to God's grace that's at work within us. You, you, it, Richard Foster wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline, and he talks about how study, reading Scripture. Some of you guys have given up on reading Scripture or you never started. But reading Scripture gives us a discernment about ourselves and the world around us. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a discipline. Simplicity is a discipline. We are, our lives are so chaotic with all kinds of stuff filled to the brim. And simplicity allows us to see God in the margins of our life solitude. Man, you know how many times I had to in Spokane take a three-minute break and in in, in found a room that somebody else, like, kick them out, give me three minutes so that I can be more engaged with the people around me? It's a discipline. Submission, where we say, God, I'm, I'm submitting to you. This is where generosity comes in. You guys hear us talk about generosity in here as an act of discipleship, disciple and discipline. Same words, same roots. An act of discipleship is generosity. Why? Because it's saying, God, I'm letting you have what I think is mine. I'm surrendering that to you. And you know what that's doing? That is connecting my life with your grace. You, you, he, he lists service, confession, worship. Not just in church, but it can be in church. Worship where we come to God and we say, I'm going to thank you in the midst of all the circumstances of my life, recognizing you are God and I am not. And that can lead us to celebration as well. Now, let me, let, watch this, you guys. I want to go back to that be anxious for nothing. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't be anxious. Pray. That's a discipline. And here's what happens. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Anxiousness, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. The discipline of prayer just connects our life with God's grace. Let's go to, this, let's go to that, 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 that one that Paul writes about of working out your faith that I read at the very beginning. This is J.B. Phillips' version of that. He says, so then, my dearest friends, as you've always followed my advice, and not only when I was present to give it to you, so now that I'm far away, be keener than ever to work out your salvation that God has given you with a proper sense of awe and responsibility, the awe of God's grace descending on me and the responsibility to mine it. For it is God who's at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. What's his purpose? For us to grow more and more like his son. Is it a formula? Heck no. If we approach it as a formula that if I do this, then this is the answer, we've missed the boat. 
These are guideposts to intersect our life with God. It's our guideposts to intersect our life with God's grace. Now, now we got to be careful with it. It's like driving the peak-to-peak highway. I don't know if you guys are driving the peak-to-peak highway, but you know how there's cliffs that feel like they're on both sides? I got a picture of this. It's not, this isn't the peak-to-peak, but it feels like it, where I drove right, straddled the yellow line right in the middle when I drove the peak-to-peak. There's a cliff on both sides, okay? On one side of this, when it comes to spiritual disciplines, is I don't need to be disciplined. I don't need any of that. I can do this on my own, but tell me how that's working. I, don't, I can just be patient. Tell me how that's working. There's a cliff on one side that, that says, I want to be patient, and, I, and, and then I don't, and then I just give up on it altogether, and I'm a lesser version of who I want to be. That's a cliff on one side. The cliff on the other side is a self-righteousness that says, I've figured it out. I'm doing it right. Everyone else should do it like me, and God, because I'm doing it right, you got to bless me. There's that side of it. It's a self-righteous one. Richard Foster, when he talks about service, he says self-righteous service requires external rewards. It looks for the, the, the blare of attention. But he says true service rests content in hiddenness where you're, not, where you're not seeking that attention, but you're not afraid of it either because sometimes that attention will still come. But he says the divine knot of approval is completely sufficient. Why? Because we, <laughs> I love it. That's so perfect. That is, that is what we will, the flexibility of it all. Okay. The divine not approval is completely sufficient because what are we trying to do? Intersect our lives with what God is already doing. So you guys, as you look into this next year and you say, I want to be the best version of who I am, if that's what you're saying you want to do, don't just say, I want to I love better. Don't just say, I want to be more patient. Be honest. Those things are there already. Be honest. Invite other people into it. Maybe seek out some professional help that, where they are paid to know how to get through layers. And then maybe pick a discipline. For some of you, it might be prayer. You might want to say, you know what? I want to go meet with Miss Humdi, our prayer pastor in our church. Teach me. I don't know how. Teach me how to pray. I don't know. I can't think of anybody better to walk alongside you to teach you how. For some of you, maybe it is simplicity and it's cutting back on some of the things or it's meditation. It's giving time to let my life intersect with God's. For some of you, it's worship and maybe it's time for you to look at coming to church and saying, yeah, ever since COVID, I've kind of put it off. But maybe... It's coming not because you're fulfilling something that's going to make God feel better and not because you're checking a box, but because by being in a place with other people worshiping together, you start to say, this is connecting my life with the grace of God and I, I am better because of it. Maybe it's a year where generosity defines your life and not just here in the church, but all over the place. Whatever it is, pick one. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to, I used to, I used to think of, of giving God 6 a.m. I used to say, God, 6 a.m. is yours for a half an hour. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll read, we'll pray, we'll do whatever, but 6 a.m. is yours. I'm going to give him 6.30 because <laughs> I don't have kids anymore in the house that I, so I can go 6.30 now. So I'm going to give him 6.30 and just go, this is yours. 
And I don't tell you that to brag about it. I tell you that to say, if you want to join me, you pick a time. Email me, bill at ascentcc.org, and we, we'll, on a weekly basis, I'll just check in with you. How are you doing with that time you're giving to God? I'm, I'm, tr- I'm honest about that. That's an accountability for me too. So pick one that you want to do, because here's the deal. God is doing some powerful work inside each one of us. But those layers, they're keeping that from happening for some of us. I, I, I want to walk that ridge. I want to invite God in through those layers and connect my life to his grace. And I want my wife to be blessed because of that. I want Jackie to be blessed because of that. And I want my kids to be blessed because of it. And, and I, want, I want this church, I want you guys to be blessed because, because I want to connect my life to, to God's grace and to see the very best of me come out of that. I, I want my neighbor to be blessed by it. I want, my, I want my enemy to be blessed because of that. And maybe I'll be blessed because of it. And I know God will because that's the way he set it up. His kingdom and God will be blessed as we seek out to be the very best of who we are by mining what God is already doing. He's doing the work. Now it's time for us to get to work. Father, I pray that that you would help us in this year as each one of us look at our lives. And, 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 and I know we fall short. And I know we... we there's times where we will conclude what a wretched man I am. But, but I know that you, um, that you meet us there and you're doing powerful work. It's powerful to even think about it, the gift of your grace, the gift that you have given every one of us. I pray today for love to come out of us. I pray for joy to come out of us. I pray for peace especially for those of us that are stressed. I pray for patience, especially with those of us that have little kids and you just go, God, give us patience. I pray that patience would come out of us because that's a work you're doing in us. I pray for kindness and goodness and gentleness. Lord, may those start to actually really appear out of us so that this world will see you way clearer than it has been. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. They're in us. Help us connect our life with your grace so that they are shown and even self-control is then seen in our lives. God, you do powerful work. You've given us a great gift. God, help us to mind that gift. It's in your name we pray. Amen.